0: Hello, my name is Nick Hatton, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus, the Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week speaks with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a series format, and right now we're moving through a series focused on the topic of biblical finance this is our third episode in that series so let's dive back into the word of god right now and find out more about how it is that god desires for his people to be interacting with their money on a daily basis so at this point we've covered some of the more periphery topics related to biblical finances That must be understood by a believer to view their money correctly. And if you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to go back and take a listen to the previous two episodes in this series so you can get caught up. But keeping all of what we've covered in mind so far, some of the main issues that need to be addressed in any believer's life in order to correct much of what is not right about the way followers of Jesus Christ approach their perceived belongings And resources becomes plainly clear. It's not right that believers feel justified in their walks with the Lord while actively compartmentalizing God's direction for their lives by excluding certain principles He's given to them for the sake of making their obedience to Him convenient and comfortable. Christians must become faithful stewards of the finances and resources that God has provided to them by doing what he says with those very things. This can only be done, though, if believers take the time to learn what his word says about all the different areas of their finances, and then choose to live it out. So this is what we'll be covering for the remainder of this PS Plus series, the action God leads us to take with our finances, and also the actions that he would lead us to avoid. And of all the many explicit directions we're given throughout Scripture, and the different pictures that are used to show us where we should stand in terms of our perspective on money and resources, there is one promise from the Lord that should act as an anchor, that should ground us in our reliance on him for provision, and that should assure us of his ability to see us through any season in life. So let's take a moment to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 through 33. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these shall be added unto you. In these verses, we see Jesus explain that he is aware of our needs, reminding those who trust in him to not give themselves over to the anxieties that generally go hand in hand with the task of having to meet our own needs. We see him talk about items such as food, water, and clothing, all of which are things that typically get worked into any modern household or individual budget, knowing that without them, we wouldn't have the necessities to live and function. But he goes on in verse 33 to make the promise that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that is the things and actions he deems to be righteous throughout scripture, that all of the needs we have in this life will be provided for, This is no small promise. The words Jesus says in these verses provide a Christian with the freedom to want for nothing in this life, knowing that all our needs will be taken care of by our Lord and Savior. Now, for anyone who says they believe in the promises of God, this promise from our Lord should unlock a different type of lifestyle, one where the things of Him are prioritized prioritized in our lives. One where his standard for our lives without question becomes the most pursued thing on a daily basis. So we should ask ourselves the question, do our lives show that this promise is on the forefront of our minds? Do we, like the Apostle Paul, believe what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Paul was a man that lived and engaged in ministry in such a way that revealed he believed this promise to be true. And because Paul sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in any instance of uncertainty, he was positioned in a way where the truth of God's promise was able to prove itself out time and time again. He knew God would provide for him because he wasn't busy deprioritizing God in his life, and seeking after ways to make sure that he could provide for himself. And so often, isn't it the case that a Christian struggles to see God's promises proved out, and especially the conditional ones, because we don't make it a point to earnestly live according to the conditions he's laid out for us? If Jesus tells us to seek to seek him first in how we live— then those actions ought to carry over into our finances as well. Our individual financial decisions should be made on the foundation of this promise from our Lord. Because what other foundation would they be made on? Would it make any sense for believers in Jesus Christ to use their finances in a way that works against God's promises? Of course it wouldn't, yet we do that very thing. Now a logical question to ask at this point is how does a Christian make sure they're prioritizing God and their finances? And as we discussed in the last PS Plus episode, a believer's spending habits should look different from that of a non-believer's. At the top of a non-believer's budget, after fixed expenses are taken care of, that is their regular monthly bills, the wants of that person's life are prioritized and how they dispense their finances reflects that. So in contrast, a believer's budget should first prioritize the explicit ways God leads them to dispense their finances. After that, fixed expenses should be taken care of because that reflects good stewardship in their lives, and the wants of a believer should naturally get prioritized last. Again, we are free to want for nothing— because of God's promise to provide all our needs. Now, an interesting thing about God's instruction for our finances is that he doesn't micromanage every dollar we spend. He tells us how to prioritize and seek his kingdom first with our income, but after that, he gives his people liberty to manage their finances freely, never forcing our hand to do anything, but always guiding us in his word. Now, what we'll cover next may feel somewhat basic, but... No basic thing in scripture ever loses its importance. So let's cover the specific ways we can be spending our money, all of which actually result in the prioritization of God in our finances, starting with the tithe. So the tithe is the opportunity to give back to God the first of our fruits, the same fruits of which he provided to us entirely. The word tithe itself means tenth. So to break down simply what the tithe is, it's 10% of an individual's income, which is ultimately given back to God by way of the local church. Now, this isn't something that should be done so a Christian can check a box and say they've done their part in the work. It's not something that someone should take part in for the sake of building themselves up or as a way of putting themselves on their own righteous platform. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. It's an act of lowering ourselves and demonstrating a heart posture that reveals how God, His kingdom, and His righteousness come first in our lives. A tithing member of the local church who puts this type of spending at the top of their budget is saying that God comes first in my life and in the management of my finances. The act and instruction for the tithe can be found in several places after the Mosaic law was delivered to the children of Israel throughout scripture. But we also see examples and pictures of giving back to the Lord in this format before the law of Moses was ever delivered to the Israelites. We see it in Genesis chapter four as God discusses the expectation of honoring him through the giving from the first of our resources. We also see it in Genesis 14 as Abraham gives the first explicit tithe in Scripture to Melchizedek, who was the king-priest of Shalem. Now, the tithe itself is no small topic and is deserving of a much deeper theological explanation than what I just provided. So, on the next episode of PS Plus, we'll be focusing entirely on the tithe and looking into the Scripture surrounding it in greater detail. Inspirationally, though, The act of tithing in the local church is something that christians should choose to take part in because of their understanding of what jesus christ took part in on their behalf there's no amount of financial sacrifice or any other type of sacrifice for that matter that can amount to the sacrifice he made for us while we were yet sinners so taking part in the tithe with the correct understanding of what it's for is the first way for christians to give priority To the Lord in their finances. Two other actions we can be taking with our finances that seek first the Lord's righteousness are the acts of giving over free will offerings and sacrificial givings in support of needs that arise throughout the local church congregation on a case by case basis. These are both actions that a believer takes part in, in addition to the tithe, as those needs come about and on a voluntary basis. But both these types of giving are sacrificial and show a willingness to invest in God's mission as he carries it out through local and biblical churches. Now, what we've talked about so far in all these different financial exchanges, we find that they're outlined in the Old Testament. But as New Testament believers, the basis for church-age biblical giving is structured on these same principles. Giving regularly by way of the tithe Supporting local church projects and ministries by way of free will offerings and giving sacrificially to support missionaries and church plants that are sent out by the local church are all financial actions that to this day reveal a Christian's heart and willingness towards what God says is of importance throughout His Word. Now, one thing I'd add to this is the importance that God places on loving and supporting our brothers and sisters in the faith in the New Testament. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And again in Romans chapter 12 verse 10, <clears throat> we read this, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honour preferring one another. These are just two examples of the emphasis that's placed on a believer needing to love and care for other believers as Jesus loved and cared for us. There's no doubt that using our finances to support one another in times of need is something that God believes to be of importance. Now, it should absolutely be said and emphasized that taking part in any or even all of these actions can mean nothing to the Lord if it's done with the wrong heart. To give back to God from a place of obligation or for the sake of a periential upkeep is to do nothing for the Lord at all. It's vain and likely it will only create bitterness in the heart of a believer and in time cause them to err in their faith. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 tells us this, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. What the Lord loves is when we truly desire to see him work and how we steward our finances, the same finances that he's given to us. Because when we give back to him with the right heart, we give him opportunity to be glorified in our lives. And we don't have to grow weary in well-doing as we manage our finances with his priorities in mind. We can grow full in seeing how good our God truly is, and in seeing how faithful he is to the promises he's made to us. So I implore you, believer, choose to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Spend your money the way He says to before you spend your money the way you want. We should trust Him the same way in every season of life and watch as He fulfills His promise to provide for our needs. Now I want to close by saying this last thing. In the face of a conditional promise from our Lord, we can miss out on the promises we see in his word because of the actions we choose to take. So let this be another moment of self-examination of how you manage your finances. Does how you spend your money really seek first the kingdom of God? Or is the allocation of your income into eternal things an afterthought in your life? Are you a prisoner to what you want and do the wants in your life Trump the desires of your Lord. If so, your spending habits may be a roadblock to seeing God's promise to provide for all your needs take place. Don't test the Lord. Do as His word says and take note of the freedom that's gained in your life and finances because of it. And that concludes this episode of PS Plus. Join us this next Monday for a brand new episode of The Postscript, and then every other Wednesday after that to keep up with this series on the topic of biblical finances. We appreciate all of you. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time. Take care.